0: What's up?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of Game Time with Garrison and my co-host Garrett, who's out in North Carolina. Garrett, how are you doing today, brother? I am doing fantastic, Garrison. How are you? Hey, doing better than I deserve, you know, all that good stuff. But uh, hey, we've got a special guest with us today. Um, This comes off of the heels of a 31-22 victory for the Washington State Cougars. I was in the stands for that one, and I knew immediately... I wanted to get Matt Chazanow on the broadcast here, play-by-play commentator of Washington State. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Game Time.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Uh, Yeah, so, um, oh,
2: go ahead. No, you go ahead, Garrett. You start. All right, I'll I'll kick things off. So just to uh, get things started, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into broadcasting and uh, how you ended up at Washington State?
0: sure so yeah it's it's kind of a two-part story like on one hand it's that thing you always dream you want to try to do when you're a little kid you know you want to um i was in the car with my parents interviewing them making up fake unrealistic disaster scenarios like godzilla chasing the car when i'm eight years old and then interviewing about it and (laughs) recording it and all that stuff so i'd always kind of playing with it i always used to mute the tv and and do all that stuff that we all do and call the game yourself, you know? And then, and then, uh, back into college, probably about junior year, I got really into it at Syracuse and it's a great network of guys and, and, uh, it's an intense extracurricular augmentation to the classes and the, you know, conventional enrollment that you have there. And I just loved it. And, dove head first and got my first gig in North Carolina at High Point University doing women's basketball oh. and doing uh, UNCG like soccer, like streaming only some soccer games and um, did, did some uh, substitute teaching and Starbucks and um, uh, and then I, I also was a studio host at University for the University of Pittsburgh for football men's basketball um, you know like pre-game halftime post-game and that was in winston mm-hmm. salem north carolina so so i got started and and um how, how did i get the cougs you asked uh they they gave me a buzz in like 2015 you know it was really cool they they'd heard my stuff because of the national work i had been doing for at that time the iteration of the company i think was isp at the time it's now learfield and uh, mm-hmm. after a, a few different mm-hmm. mergers but um they gave me a buzz and, and said, "Hey, do you want to you want to do all three sports?" And it was a no brainer, like, of course. So, right, it's been it's been awesome. Wow,
2: yeah, that's awesome.
0: Uh, it's funny you
2: mentioned High Point. I actually live uh, about an hour away from there, and I almost went there. I almost went to college there, but I, I didn't. But um, yeah, very familiar with that with that
1: area. Yeah, and that's There uh, uh, you
0: go, yeah. F- furniture furniture capital of the world. Yes, that
1: exactly. They're they're <laughs> very proud of their furniture over there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's <laughs> uh home. That's how uh, Garrett and I uh, got connected. Actually, I went to uh, school, high school, uh, with him. Well, Garrett, you were in middle school at the time, I suppose. But uh, we right, were right. in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area, right around there. So nice. some North nice. Carolina, very N- cool. Yeah, North Carolina roots for yeah. all of us. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I spent ten years there. I, I where my whole my whole family, my wife's family, uh, is all from north of Winston Salem, by about maybe forty five minutes or so. Beautiful country. Oh yeah, that cool. it is. That it is. Um, well,
2: um, yeah, go ahead, Garrett. Okay. I was just going to follow up with the, uh, the broadcasting questions with, um, I think it'd be interesting to take a look at what, uh, what your process is like when you're preparing for a game, like what does the week leading up to a game look like for you?
0: Sure. Yeah. So, um, it's changed since having a kid <laughs> that changed my whole, uh, it's kind of compressed my time to some degree, but um, I'll, I'll give you kind of the broad strokes and then week to week, you'll need to al- allow me for some general wiggle room based right, on right. Uh, like quality of sleep and <laughs> et cetera. But, of course. um, <laughs> you know, there, there's kind of this data dump I do. I do my own boards. I think there are some systems for football that guys use or like, uh, not systems, but there's, there's some guys that kind of make your boards for you. And I, I suppose at a certain point. If you're doing too many games, there's some guys where it's not really tenable to do it how I do it, but I have the luxury to do it, and and, and I take advantage of it. So I, I kind of do this manual data dump where I, I've got a uh, a Word document that has a chart on it, right? It's it's a way that I can insert a depth chart and, and then add, update some stats, update all the stats. So right. I'll take a day and just make sure... Uh the the cougar one's generally crisp, you know, there might be some small tweaks, right? The the stats need to be updated, but the depth charts roughly eat the same every week. The other team, however, needs to be um if it's a previous pack opponent, um, but now with transfers and stuff, even still it needs yeah, to be yeah. often right. like heavily updated. So um that can that's a laborious process it's not always the most like mentally engaging cuz it's just kind of data entry but sure what i have found is there's a little chart i have where it shows statistical rankings for some key key numbers that i like to include um you know how's the offensive line been playing kind of sacks allowed you know point at the snap stats tackles for loss uh, how's your offensive line, how's your defensive line, that kind of stuff. Right. You, can, you can glean how a team, especially like week six and on, you can glean at least what they're trying to do. You know, you can tell how many pass yards do they allow, how many rush yards do they allow, etc. And once you do the dive into the full team stats of the national rankings, their conference rankings, you can at least get like a vague sense of what the goal is and then based on their success rate at that, like what their record is, how's it been going. So after that, if I can, I'll watch the previous game that they the uh, opposition played. and then if I feel like somehow that's not an indication like for instance, if let's say, let's a good example might be like um, if we were playing someone whose previous game was against Air Force. It it interests me for some of their personnel because of recency, but it's the inverse of what the Cougs want to do. Mm-hmm. So I can't really tell what they would do against a past team, you know. So I would, right. I would try if I've got time. I would try to watch another something to get a sense, you know, of, of do they play nickel, do they play dime, do they shift the linebacker out, and all of this couched in how am I not surprised on game day? Like that's mm-hmm. the goal. Like how can nothing there should be no occurrence on game day trick plays included that would put me on my heels right. and then I, I can i can if, if i have to hesitate on who what when where why it's very hard to, to get the timing right and so mm-hmm. um after i've watched I'll, I'll go print them i go like office depot print them out they're, they're these like big you know 11 by 17 things and then i like to um i'll go i'm at cougar football practice get a bunch of top secret you know game day only info kind of right right which i I feel very um uh lucky that they trust me with and I've, i've built that up and um i it's pretty sacred time there practice times very behind the curtain and nothing i see is not for saturdays and then um but I'll put it on the boards, you know, because I can know know what's coming, which is to say who's getting reps with maybe the two, the ones you kind of know, but are they running anything funny? What's to look for? Stuff like that. And then you know, individual player notes. I'll go through every single player on the board. So that's, let's say, two, two deep plus. So it's like two deep and then maybe some other key guys. And I'll, I'll go through every single player, especially for the opposition. Uh, for the Cougs, be like: What's current? What's updated? Uh, what do I want to make sure to know? Did they play this opponent last year? Do they have a history against them? Um, what are the coaching ties? Who are the coaches? And and so you know that's a whole that's a whole other um, merely morning and then afternoon um, is to get the notes for each player from the opposition dialed in, uh, and sometimes they're straight up just harder to call than others. Hawaii this year, I called a Hawaii game. Mm. Uh, it's a heck of a bunch of last names like it really <laughs> <Imagine>. <laughs> took a bunch of time right you know and they're great and i and i love polynesian culture and and the cougs are um have recruited the islands really well over the years and we've had right just these you know these beautiful polysyllabic you know, names these tongan <laughs> names and it's just it's awesome so right um you know uh, you try to get all that stuff dialed in so that that, that's definitely, you know, I, I see it as, as respectful, you know, to, to culture and heritage and family, you know, it's, it's, 100%. uh, and you know, my last name is not Chaz now is no gimme, you know, so I'm, I'm not one to speak. So it's, uh, <laughs> I think that's a key thing. So, um, very, very vaguely, you know, there's that I have a text chain with my broadcast crew. I'll kind of say, like, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen that, especially my analyst. I lean really heavily on him because he he really knows what's going on. Like I'll say, hey, have you seen this quarterback? He'd be like, Yeah, he's really good. Or yeah, uh, you know, I think if we can get after him, he's bad off he's off schedule, you know, let's get him out of the pocket, like all that stuff. Really helpful for um for game names. So that that's kind of the vague, you know, day by day uh breakdown
1: well fantastic yeah but you ladies and gentlemen you just got an inside look there on a a play-by-play commentator at the uh power five level which we'll get into more of that here later but um you know uh, now kind of just wanted to shift gears here and talk some cougs you know um as i said i was in the stands for that wisconsin game my dad and i got to take in that beauty of of a game uh, where WSU again took down the then-ranked number nineteen Wisconsin Badgers, thirty-one to twenty-two, um, second year in a row. No big deal. I was really hoping they would play jump around with one minute left or something like that, but I get it. We gotta be respectful, <laughs> you know. We did it afterwards, and that was fine. <laughs> but um, I guess uh, Matt, just just your initial takeaway uh, of that excellent game there
0: that Saturday. Is, is as good of a full day for any athletic department that you could dream up. I right. mean, it wasn't just that game. It was groundbreaking of the indoor practice facility earlier that morning or mm. early afternoon. Before kickoff, they honored Mike Leach, which means a lot to people. Right. And and then um, Coach kind of made a call. You know, he made a call to the Kooks. He kind of threw up the bat signal. And, and they showed up, you know, and it was standing room only and it's Drew Bledsoe and Clay Thompson and it's Bill Moose and Joe Dahl and Jeremiah Allison. And, and it's anybody who can get in there And, and coach said, Hey, this is an impactful contextual note for conference realignment. Like we have currently been put on our heels. We're in this bad spot and we need to show off. We need to puff our chests and we need this place and then we need to win. You know, and it all happened. Right. Right. It all it all happened. It, it had the feel of the 2018 ESPN college game day game against Oregon, but with a very different kind of you know, it a little more anxiety here right now. You know, it was a little less of a pressure release and more of a hey, look at us, you know, we we need to show off a little bit, and and they answered, you know, right. that place was Everything in any part of America you could hope and wish for a college football Saturday to be. Right. There's just, it was perfect. There was no, nothing but good happened for for 12, for sun up to sundown. You had a, you had, uh, the sense I got is there's a lot, there's a kinship between Coogs and Badgers. Mm. There's a, there's a cheese, it's been cheese and beer thing they're doing. <laughs> right, right. <you> know? <laughs> And, and there's a civility to it, you know, it's it's competitive, but it's not, it's not venomous, you know, that's not the cougar way. Um, it's, it's not, we're going to come, you know, we may lose the game, but we'll ruin your day. Like that's not the vibe, you know, it's, it's come on and enjoy the Palouse. We love it. And we hope you do too kind of thing and and welcome. We hope you lose, you know, but, (laughs) right. But we, we also want to do it the right way and we want to do it with a, a certain degree of. Uh, sportsmanship you know i think is, is probably a good word for it and and probably a and unfortunately a little bit rare nowadays you know i, I think it's right. it's become less common um so i i think i think that's the cougar badger thing you know i sense i really loved wisconsin i really loved madison you know i had a A lot of warm fuzzies for them. I I happen to have a cousin who's a freshman or now a sophomore there. And, uh, and so that's kind of a fun, totally random. Yeah. We're just, we're from, it's from Long Island. He just liked it. Um, he's a great kid, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really fun. So, but it was this beautiful day. You know, I, I think some football games mean more for, I think in general football games have taken on this religious fervor. Right. And, in the context of what this means for Cougar Athletics, and I'm sensing you're going to start asking about conference realignment. Um, you know, I, I don't know the degree to which something like that was a tryout mm. in in one game, but boy, it didn't hurt. You know, you, right. if if you're going to show your best stuff, you're going to have to peacock a little bit. Well, those are some bright feathers. You know, I mm. I'm not sure you want to leave that out of college football because that would be like saying you're on a weight loss program and you just cut off a finger to lose some weight. Like, I don't think that's really what you want to do. Are you, are you sure you want to set the flare off? Right. That you want to exclude this from the ecosystem? Are you really, are you really sure? Like, hold on. You know, I think, and I think, you know, case in point is Fox, Big Fox picked up Coop's Beavers for the, for the primetime time. East Coast window in in two weekends, right? Like, mm. so in two of the last three weekends after next week, you'll have been on ABC East Coast Prime Time, Fox East Coast Prime Time, and what does it tell you that the two biggest networks are taking the Cougs for ratings, right. In their East Coast slots, and then not putting them in the conference. It's like, what? What are we doing? Like, what mm-hmm. it makes no sense. So, um, and and, and you know, and, and what I saw on the field in a more specific. Uh, direct sense with cougs and badgers is a really good football team. Right. And I don't think the badgers are bad. I think the cougs are good. I think the badgers will be a competitive big 10 team. They have their flaws, they are imperfect but not a bad squad and and in some ways that which they do really well got shut down because the kooks right. can can really play defense. So, uh it was a it was a heck of a day.
1: Yeah. That summed up quite well. I uh, Garrett and I, you know, uh, in our show, we're talking about it the week leading in, and you know, I said if I'm the Badgers, I just want to run the ball down the Cougs' throat. You know, we got we got the big offensive lineman in Wisconsin. That's what we're known for. We just gotta just bowl them over. And my goodness, the Cougs really stepped up. Uh, you know, they kind of have that, that speed D vibe to them, and uh, they gave Wisconsin trouble, like you said. Um, uh, you know, I I don't want to go too looking too far into this but would you would you say that this was potentially one of the bigger wins in program history given circumstances?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think in the full context, I mean, you don't get a lot of home non-conference power league teams coming in. No one really gets a lot of that cuz you don't schedule for it like intentionally, sure. you don't schedule for it. So it's it's uncommon in that regard, but Yeah, I think it happened to line up with this wild day. You also filed a lawsuit against the league the day before. So there's a lot of, you know, it's litigious and kind of emblematic. There's a fight in spirit and then there's literally a legal fight. And then they won that legal fight, at least round one, if you will. Right. And, and which was no surprise, but um, the, the whole spirit of the thing kind of all culminated and came together in this one day. So yeah, I think that's fair. It would have been a pretty sharp letdown and and a deflating moment if they lost a tight game and, and a game they could have won. So I think it's one of the biggest wins in history. I think that's fair. It, you, it's not like the biggest. You know, there, there right. may be bigger games. There may not be if it proves that they got them in the Big 12 or something. You know, I mean, right. I have no idea. But, like, it, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it is the biggest win. You're like, well, we'll know more. You know, it's, it's kind of kind of a little TBD on that, but um, yeah, I think it's one of them.
1: Now, um, you know, just looking at, uh, you you brought up the, the lawsuit with the PAC 12 and whatnot. And uh, for the fans at home, you know, WSU and Oregon state have sued the conference because uh, basically the other 10 teams, as I understand it, and you might be able to correct me, Matt, but uh, the other teams uh, wanted to essentially dissolve the conference potentially so that they could collect, on their revenue as well, whereas WSU and Oregon State are saying, "Wait a minute, you guys are trying to leave. You don't get a say on this." So they they sued, so the meeting couldn't happen. Is is that about it?
0: I'm going to be careful with my words because sure, it's kind of an open question a little bit, and and there are some things that I really do know a lot about. And was at practice this morning. I I talked to Coach Dickert. He's the best and you know i so i don't want to misrepresent myself as an expert having talked to the lawyers having talked to the judge having talked to president schultz about this like i i need to pivot to uh insider yes legal expert no like you know i don't wear that hat and i want to be really clear about that you mentioned dissolve the league i take pause in terms of i'm unsure of the intention and like the import of that word and the legal aspect of that word for the other 10 teams. And I don't know that that was the way they wanted to do it or what they wanted to do. You know, I don't sure. But I think in, in regard with the spirit of what you're talking about, the Cougars and the Beavers are, are, you know, sort of the last men standing in the league. And the sense I get is with that comes a very reasonable desire for control of the league's interests as right. it affects the Cougs and the Beavs, because the other schools have very obviously chosen to depart. And right. with that, there's no decision they'd make about the entity that they left that would be in the best interest of the entity. Right. They, Whether it's a dissolving or a just pillaging or whatever they were trying to do is not reasonably in you know they're working against the interests of the pack which which happens to also be where the Cougs and the beeves are so they're just right. able to damage a competitor in a in an unreasonable way and and obviously i think america is like yeah. of course
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: right uh, you know there's a little bit of that like uh huh like it's like bordering on you know malice and cruelty like guys right what are, come on what are we doing here now so um yeah, I think I think the spirit of what you're saying is correct. The the specificity of the word choice is important from a, you know, it, it's kind of like one of those things like it's a it's a small distinction, maybe with a difference that matters. And I just don't want to be wrong about it and, and say the wrong thing.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait for more details to unfold and whatnot as this continues. But uh, like you said, America, I, I was on Twitter because WSU and Oregon State were trending last last night. And I hop on and I've even got Husky fans tweeting out saying this is ridiculous. What you want the Cougs to pack our pack our bags as well on top of it. Uh, so uh, we've even got support from the, the guys in purple on this. And um, there there was a really, you know, again, going back to the Wisconsin game a little bit. But there was a really cool video out of Research Stadium where they announced the score to the WSU-Wisconsin game and the, the crowd erupted. Um, so we've got some camaraderie there with with the Beavers and whatnot here in the Pack 2 um, And on that note, just looking at the you know the schedule ahead for the rest of the season, and Matt, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but just given how the Cougs have played, and like you said, the Cougs just looked good against Wisconsin here. Um, we've got Oregon State coming to town. This is probably it's it's funny. The last year of the Pac-12, and this is potentially the deepest I've seen the conference. Um, it, we've got Oregon State coming to town, but if if we're able to start four and zero, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. You know, you could argue Oregon and Washington are going to be incredibly difficult places to go play, but it, the Cougs they, they could have a very special season on their hands here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I was telling. I was telling everybody who, who could listen and uh, more behind the curtain than trying to create bullet and board material or anything. And, you know, it just, it's a good Cougar team. You right. know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not surprised this Jake Dickert led squad is doing more than just competing. I and mean, this is a, a team with pro potential at multiple levels on both sides of the ball and all three phases. And so you've got talent, you've got great coaching, You've got a lot of buy-in, right? Good dudes, good locker room. You know, it's it's not a group of guys who're fractured off. You know, I um, and I I'm not I'm not surprised. Uh, Cougar football's been one of the m- most winning teams in the pack since 2015. Since I got here, obviously, I take full credit for blocking and tackling. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, and so they're on this bowl streak of seven consecutive, you know, through full seasons and. And I think my ex, well, it, it's, it's not, it's not a shock to see that, to keep, to see good continuing to go here. And I'm with you, you know, I think, and then it might be a special year. And I think in some ways it is a special start. That's for sure. And right. And you know, where it lands. Right. Well, now
1: with all that being said, you know, that this is just spitballing here, but Um, And and nobody really knows at this point with how everything's going to shake out. But um, just given the landscape uh, of college football currently and all the crazy realignment and whatnot, uh, is there a spot in your gut that, let's say, the Pac-12 goes away? Is there a spot that you think Oregon State and Washington State would fit in nice and tight?
0: honestly i think any league should want us like any league the whole thing is just a is a mind explosion from a from a from every metric there isn't a single metric on-field quality affinity merchandise sales tv ratings none of it leads to the Cougs and the beaves not being in whatever this club is the goalposts keep changing on the right on the on the end zone it's like it does where you're at the you know, you're at the one yard line and now you're at the 30 yard line. Is it like, why? Just because, huh? It doesn't is it brand? <laughs> is it mark, you know, Obviously, it's not market size because Starkville, Mississippi is small, and, and I mean that nothing against Starkville, Mississippi, it just it doesn't make any sense, you right. know? So, um, the answer to that is is multiple league options. You know, the ACC, Bubba Cunningham, the AD at North Carolina, was very open about saying. If there, he wasn't against Stanford and Cal. He voted no for ACC expansion. He just wanted more than two West Coast schools. He wanted like eight. Mm. You know, he said, Why are we only taking two? It's, a, it's kind of a scheduling mess. How does this work for Cal and Stanford? How does it work for anybody if we only got two? Right. You want a grouping with, like the PAC ACC merger spirit, was what I gathered from his public comments. So that always made sense to me. The PAC and the ACC are very similar leagues. They're They're, they're two leagues with great academic integrity. And a a lot of tradition, you know, and and they're, they're far, right? So it feels weird, but we're doing this new version of what conferences are and what they mean. So it wasn't so shocking, you know, in terms of regionality and school profile, the big 12 is an amazing fit. It's a glove. I mean, if you look at when we went to the Alamo bowl, it was like looking in the mirror when we looked at Mm -hmm. Iowa state fans, you know, and so you've got Iowa state, Kansas state, Oklahoma state. You've got a lot of schools that feel like the Cougs, and you know if you were to add Washington State and Oregon State, not just because the word "state" is behind them, but because they're all hot, super high quality football, um, land grant ag schools that will do. I would, I would imagine, I would guess what that comes. It, 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 you know, a, a sort of, uh, embrace of, of, research dollars. There's a collaboration and really there's an advertisement for the school that you're having every Saturday. And, um, and I think those are schools that would, uh, you know, I would think would be excited to link their images together. You know, those are great, all wonderful places. So, nice. um, you know, and and then look, I it's so funny. I, I did something like you and I are doing right now. Last week for for Wisconsin, uh, for a few different outlets, you know, mm-hmm. and they want they lo- they were like, why? I hope you guys come to the Big Ten. Oh, they're like this.
1: That'd be so like cool. Get right. Michigan coming to Pullman or something.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think the geography makes less sense than the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve, you've got Tempe, Tucson, Provo, Salt Lake City. Corvallis, Pullman, and and Boulder, you have this very natural West Coast thing, but yeah, I mean Michigan's great. The Big Ten's got all these fantastic, brands, um, fantastic brands, these great schools, and and no doubt, and you know, I, I think people sometimes don't realize, you know, Pullman is small, you feel like you know everybody, but other perceptions, Big Ten perceptions, are the Cougs are big, mm. and so they see the Huskies in, the Ducks in, and they're like, well, why not? You Know if, if we're all expanding and the group can beat the badgers in Camp Randall and then beat him again in Pullman, like, okay, right. let's 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 let it rip, you know. So, um, I, I think all of that, like, there's a I guess my point is, is there is a way to rationalize all of it, you know, there, there's no downside. The only one that I think. Would be though the hardest one to rationalize would be the SEC because the SEC has been very vocal about wanting geographic continuity and this wouldn't be that you right. know and so right. um you know who, who knows with that league and and the SEC and the pack have kind of like play the least right they just they don't they don't merge a ton but the Big Ten in the pack play it you know with the Rose Bowl history um there's a, there's a more obvious connection right right well
1: uh matt uh, i could talk with you about this stuff all day but um just uh want to thank you for again coming on the show and uh spending some time with garrett and i and uh we'll have to do this again you know especially if the coobs you know are all of a sudden pushing the top 10 Uh, we'll we'll have to check in with you
0: sounds great i hope to have that discussion in that context that sounds awesome garrison and garrett thank you guys thanks thanks so much matt Matt. Uh, thanks for joining us
1: Here's Pierce again. A Smith screen. Hoji will
0: defend. Oh! Ball still alive. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back.
1: Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Game Time with uh, Garrison and Garrett. And uh, we just had a, a great interview with uh, Washington State play-by-play commentator Matt Chaz, and now giving us the lowdown of the Cougs. And uh, just uh, kind of how the program's shaken out with regards to the rest of the season, but also the uh, shaky grounds that the Cougs find themselves on with regards to the Pac-12. There's a lawsuit going on. Some pretty exciting stuff, Garrett. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: uh, going to be interesting to see how it, uh, how it plays out. I'm hopeful. I, I'm a big fan of the, the programs uh, Oregon State and Washington State have put together. And, you know, w- hope for the hope for the best for them. I wouldn't mind seeing them coming to the ACC.
1: You know, if that's if that's where it goes, I, I'd, I'd welcome him in with open arms. Hey, I'd be happy to go to the ACC as well. Obviously, hopeful that Florida State and Clemson would stick around when we came because <laughs> uh, <laughs> to get to see those brands come to Pullman, man. Right. All uh, right. Or he, he brought up the Big Ten, which honestly, I would prefer to go to the Big Ten just because of the brand notoriety. You know, Michigan, Ohio State. To seeing those two teams come rolling into Pullman man that would be something uh, big 12 to me does make a lot of sense like he was saying a lot of land grant and agricultural schools and whatnot um, so uh, as far as geography yeah. and stuff that does make sense
2: yeah I, I agree I think you know big 12 makes a lot of sense like you said for just the uh, the locations um, but yeah I was I was kind of he touched on you know cal and stanford joining the acc and why wouldn't uh why wouldn't they also just have washington state and oregon state coming too and i i I I thought that was a good point i i agreed that's that's kind of what i was thinking i was like oh just might as well take all of them i think that'd be better overall but um yeah big big 12 is not a bad idea either just based on location and um you know it's kind of a new there's a lot of newer teams joining the big 12 um i think that's that's a good option as
1: well right right well, folks, we uh, we had uh, some other games taking place too, not just the Cougs and Badgers. We uh, had a whole slate of uh, contests happening over the week, and um, uh, we obviously have one big one that I want to gloat about here in a, in a little bit. But uh, first, I figure we could start with uh, a, a I guess a more of a tame game. It was Iowa. In Iowa State. And Garrett, this one just fit the bill when it comes to Iowa in an Iowa State game. It was just, I mean, look at the total yards 290 for Iowa State and 235 for Iowa. And Iowa wins 20 to 13. Yeah, typical, uh, typical Iowa.
2: I'm not a, uh, I have a friend in college who's a big Iowa fan. And uh, I just, I don't know, never could really, I mean, they play a, an interesting brand if you like defensive battles but right not really my style so there's never really a a team i could get behind but yeah pretty pretty typical uh
1: typical game i know it's a heated rivalry so right. uh good to get a win. yeah and iowa picks up i believe that was their sixth straight win over iowa state i would say yeah yeah in Ames. uh so big win there for the hawkeyes and and like you said very iowa fashion cade mcnamara the former michigan quarterback by the way uh, went 12 of 22 for 123 yards and a pick and they won 20 to 13 and that just kind of shows the overall offensive vibe it was very similar numbers for iowa state's quarterback actually um on the day so all, all in all much more of a tame game and very defensive minded there is something beautiful I would say about those defensive slug fests with Iowa there's there's just something I can respect and admire about that the way their defense plays but then you look at their offense with (laughs) 12 of 22 for 123 yards and I'm just sitting there are you kidding me this looks awful like you guys practice all year and this is what you come up with
2: Yeah, it is. It is. So there is something nice to it in the sense that you know all of. It seems like all of college football is kind of almost even Bama the last few years. They're going to a more offensive style game, just getting into shootouts. But, uh, but you know, you got Iowa staying put, and they're going to beat you ten to three. Or you know, they're (laughs) going to beat you with with safeties or something. But right. Um, but yeah, it's (laughs) on the offensive side of the ball. It's hard to watch. It's (laughs) it's like I watching the Nebraska Colorado game for the first half this past weekend. Just. Ugly football and you know, you got Sims as your quarterback. It's
1: it's not pretty. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you just touched on that. So man, that like you said, that first half was it, it was kind of shaping out to what we thought Nebraska needed to do to have a chance in that game. Like they yeah, they yeah. were frustrating the Buffaloes. Yeah, I mean that's that's
2: you know that's kind of what they had to do if they wanted to keep it close because you, I mean, you could see just the way that, uh, their offense played, they had no chance if it got into a shootout. So, I mean, they did the right things, but right. When you just have your offense is that bad. It, it really, you know, he's throwing picks given, setting up the defense in a bad spot. It's, it's hard to win that way. And once the, once, you know, Colorado broke through and kind of hit their groove, it was just game over. So yeah, kind right. of, I mean, they, they started out well sticking to their game plan, but it, they couldn't, couldn't keep it up. And, uh, I mean, a good win for Colorado. I think it—they proved that they weren't a fluke week one, and showed that they can deal with adversity, that they can deal with tough defenses. Um, so yeah, I think they kind of uh, thrown their hat into the ring of being a real contender in, in the
1: Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so the watching that first half, um, Nebraska was just keeping everything in front of them defensively. And then, like you said, once Sims first, it was he fumbled the ball way too often. He the, And they, they could not figure out the center quarterback snap exchange, even in a shotgun mm-hmm. setting. His timing was off. Uh, frankly, I was shocked that they kept him in the game for as long as they did. But obviously, I'm not right. on the ground with them, you know, every day coaching. So Coach Rule obviously sees something that we don't. But man, that that was just a rough day for him. And like you said, when Colorado got groove going, they got some turnovers. They got the ball inside Nebraska territory without having to do anything. It was smooth sailing from there, and Colorado gets the win, thirty six to fourteen. What about another game close to home? Notre Dame and NC State. Now. Uh, you you kind of mentioned going in that you had you guys had a good front seven and you know you could maybe give Notre Dame some problems there but the passing game you thought just wasn't good enough to keep up in this one and and looks like it held true um now NC State passing yards wise you only had 26 less than Notre Dame but uh, what what was the difference that you saw with this uh, Notre Dame and NC State game that geez talk about that weather delay too yeah, I mean it was. Uh, I
2: mean it was an interesting game. You had hour forty five minute uh, weather delay for lightning to uh, to start off, and then the it was a tight game up until that point, and then um well not not much had happened. It was really low scoring, and then right the first play after the weather delay, uh, they broke off an eighty yard an eighty yard run, and um, no big deal. It you're right it, it was kind of that was kind of the story of it. Uh, the front seven I thought played well for the most part on defense. Um, we, we kept things pretty close, but then every now and then they would just hit us with a big play, like the 80 yard touchdown, right? They had multiple passing plays of 65, 45, 40, like just, they just keep hitting us with these big plays that that kind of broke it after we had been holding for so long. And we, we took a lot of punches and I think it was the end of the third quarter, um, Let's see if I can get the exact point. So we were down seven and, um, late in the third, I believe. And we, um, Notre Dame had the ball. We stopped them on third down. They were still, they were pretty backed up into their own territory. Right. And, um, I believe it was third down and we got a sack strip strip sack, uh, fumbled. We got the ball and we were set up, uh, going in to tie the game with a touchdown and we got stuffed um went three and out and then we tried to kick a field goal and missed it and Mm it kind of just it kind of just ended the game for us right there because it was you know everything was looking up and then just to come out with nothing from that great field position when we only needed a touchdown to tie the game after it seemed like we were just getting beaten on but we were still in it and we had one chance to tie it right there and after that, it was just all downhill. They scored twenty-one points in the fourth quarter and kind of ran right. away with it at the end. So, um, overall, I think state played well, but the offense just wasn't good enough to to keep up. And you know, our defense could only hold on for so long before right. eventually Hartman started hitting these these long passes. Uh, they broke off some runs, but oh, I mean, overall, I think it's kind of what I expected. Notre Dame is a really good team. Uh, Hartman is a really good quarterback and I think right. that they're going to have a really good shot in all of the, the they got three really tough games this year um against uh top 10 teams and I think that they're going to they're going to have a shot at winning all three of them.
1: Yeah, Matt for those at home, Sam Hartman 15 of 24, 286 yards and four touchdowns. And then on the ground Notre Dame was impressive with a uh, Audric Estime something I think that's how you say it. Sounds right. Yeah, I think that's all right. 14 carries, 134 yards, nine yards a carry. So he got going there. And Garrett, what was uh, with Armstrong? It looks. What would you say was his issue? Would you say mm-hmm. that it was more him having to just try to do too much too late because the run game couldn't get going, or did he just have a bad day? And or, or would you credit Notre Dame's defense overall? Um.
2: So, I mean, as a as a state fan, I, I've had my doubts about Armstrong since the beginning of the year. He played the last two seasons at Virginia. Two years ago, had an amazing season, threw for over 4,000 yards. Last season, he really struggled, and it was kind of unsure which Armstrong we were going to get. Um, and to me, I just don't think he's a great passer. He He's sure. a great runner. He's a really good runner of the ball when things break down. Uh, he's a He's a good, tough runner, but I just don't think he has the accuracy and the decision making to to move the ball well against a really good defense like Notre Dame. Right. And, you know, the stats he threw for 260 yards, but 70 of those yards came on the final drive in garbage time. The stats, I mean, really, it was a lot worse than than that, even. Uh, And you can see the accuracy just not there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think armstrong was the best answer at quarterback i think that i wouldn't be surprised if he struggles again that state goes to mj morris uh the backup he's a he's a sophomore fresh a freshman last year he played a few games and he looked really good but i guess coming into the year they didn't really trust him being the starter so that's why they brought in armstrong but right um, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we start going to MJ Morris in the next few games if Armstrong continues to struggle so yeah that's that's my opinion on it.
1: Well there you go again Notre Dame wins 45 to 24 and again uh, Garrett mentioned uh, Notre Dame's schedule coming up here. Uh, they take on Central Michigan next before the big Ohio State game. That'll be at Notre Dame and then heck even Notre Dame's got to play at Duke. And that's not going to be an easy game. Dukes ranked 21st in the country. Uh, USC coming to town later in the season. Their fifth ranked currently. Clemson falling out of the top 25. That was going to be another yeah. game that we circled later on. But, uh, man, Clemson having a rough go of things currently. They, uh, I guess seeing as I brought them up, we can just talk about them briefly. Uh, they took on Charleston Southern uh, last week. And... It was fourteen to fourteen in the first quarter, Garrett. I, I was freaking out.
2: Yeah, I was. I was gonna say I was. Um, I was like, man, this is really a uh, quite the downfall. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be this bad, but right. I mean, they turned it around and destroyed them in the second half. And I was a bit surprised that they're not in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. I mean, a week one loss. I don't think that you know. I mean, they started. They came in ranked ninth. They still have a a top ten roster in terms of talent level. I don't. I don't sure. think that it's necessarily fair that they're all the way out of the top twenty five at this point. But um, yeah, we'll see how they can do against. You know, they've got Florida State coming up. Um, that's mm-hmm. going to be a big game still. So we'll see if they've been able to recover and if they're actually uh, if they're actually a
1: you know an elite team or if they've actually if they've really fallen off. Right, yeah, and and folks, if you had listened to earlier episodes of Garrett and I, we were very high on Clemson, and you know they still they still so you could be like, oh, they're they're wrong, but uh, to be fair, (laughs) they could still very well turn it around, just like our other pick, LSU. They could still turn it around, and and they did against Grambling State. To be fair, but uh, with Clemson, I almost wish. That they, you know, that it wasn't such a bad game for them in week one. I wish that we got to see them go toe to toe with Duke, and then if Duke right. was able to pull it out in the end, then we might honestly even be more concerned with Clemson. Like, oh my gosh, that was them at their best, and they lost. <laughs> Whereas, right. yeah, with this, they just came out and laid a total dud, and there was turnover issues, and so I, I don't think that we've gotten the full scope of clemson's abilities currently so it, that's kind of why you're sitting here hearing garrett and i kind of go well i guess we'll wait and see because that's all we can do right now this charleston southern game is not a good indicator and um time will tell so there's our quick update on clemson and there are some uh, other games that we want to touch on here like uh, garrett the texas a&m and miami game I we both expected a And M, but we weren't very confident about it. That to be clear, like no. I, I thought a And M would maybe have the edge, but th- this was not a game I was confident in calling. And Miami, wow the, the 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 way they won is not how I was expecting it would go. I was thinking maybe they would establish a run game uh, if they were to win the game, but <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke. 21 of 30, 374 yards and five touchdowns through the air for the U. And they get the win, 48-33 to 33 over Texas A&M. Uh, man, what's going on with the Aggies? Is this just another uh, um, episode with, you know, their coach Jimbo? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just a, a classic
2: example of what they've been doing under uh, under Jimbo the entire time. They're just, you know losing games that they really shouldn't. And you can argue that this, you know, San M isn't, um, necessarily a powerhouse that should be dominating an average team like Miami. But I think that, you know, before the season started and, uh, given the talent on San M, this is a game that they should win or that they expected to win for Mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, I'm sure they're not surprised. They've laid a lot of, uh, had a lot of duds over the last few years. So it's, it's just another example of that. And with each, each game that piles up on, uh, on his resume, I think Jimbo is slowly, slowly his seats getting warmer. And I've, I've heard some, uh, some other analysts talking about, you know, how many more losses this year before Jimbo actually gets the can. Right. And I mean, it's hard with the massive contract. They just paid him, Mm -hmm. And, his name carries a lot of weight, but at some point, I mean, it is what it is. If you can't get it done with some of the best recruiting classes in in the country, the last few years, I don't know when you are. And it's not like, uh, you know, Miami's coming in as a top five team. It's right. You know, they've struggled as well. So, um, I mean, maybe this is an indication that Miami is, uh, is back as you could say. Sure. But, um, and, and I think they did prove they're a pretty good team, but um, I think either way, it's it's just not a good look for Texas A and M. You know, losing by
1: fifteen. Right. Um, I think Jimbo's seats getting a little warm. Yeah, and that's crazy to say because you brought up his massive contract, and Texas A and M, if I remember correctly, would have to pay out seventy five million dollars to Jimbo if they wanted to fire him this year. That is just astronomical for a head coach so good good job jimbo as far as securing the bag but (laughs) uh, he forgot the second part where he had to coach um yeah who cares about that yeah that's not important Uh, that's not my job title and um so yeah I, i i a couple things i was very impressed with the u uh, they came out and played incredibly well. And it, if they found a quarterback in Van Dyke, which seems to have been the use issue for really the last several years is I I didn't even know who they had under center um, offensively was just very inconsistent. Their program as a whole has been very inconsistent, but it seems like the trajectory for them is up with Mario Cristobal, you know, former Oregon coach. He, he seems to have a direction and a, a, an identity with the team, uh, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more than coaches in the past. Um, and the he's got some athletes, you know Xavier Restrepo at wide receiver, he was a stud. I was impressed. Jacoby George, he he almost had 100 yards with Restrepo. Uh, the run game wasn't really there, but they didn't need it with Van Dyke. <laughs> they didn't need it. No. <laughs> no. Um, so so there's that. Impressed with Miami, and I think. You know, if they're able to keep this trajectory going, we could be looking at an eight or nine win U team. And you could argue, well, is that really back? I mean, for them, it is. <laughs> have, you, have you been yeah, watching? I mean,
2: they've been they've been struggling as of late, especially given how they I mean, everyone knows Miami of the early 2000s. And, right, um, you know, to see the fall off and and especially the area that they're in and the brand of Miami football, they get they've got to, you know, perfect opportunity for elite recruiting. In mm-hmm. the last few years they've they've had great recruiting. They're the number eight class this past year. Um year before that, thirteen, year before that, eleventh. So I mean they're yeah. getting great talent yeah. coming in. So uh, you know, similar to Texas A and M, uh the talent's there. It's just a matter of putting it together and getting the results. So um yeah, definitely disappointing season the past few years. So if they can put together, at least make progress towards uh building a program and you know, picking up, you know, they've got opportunities. They got, uh, you know, Florida state, uh, right. um, a big in-state rivalry. Florida state has a lot of hype. Uh, you know, they're locked into the top the playoffs as of now. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they've got a lot of opportunities this year to really establish themselves as quote unquote back. So, right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think college football as a whole is, is better when these teams like Texas and Miami, uh, Florida these teams state. traditionally, florida state it's traditionally been these big brands um i think that college football as a whole is just is just better when these programs are contenders and relevant
1: yeah i was i was actually i'll get back to texas a&m here in a second i swear but i was talking with um another podcast this week uh kingdom city i was on their show and they were talking about just the I, i brought up how the parody this year with college football is insane. This reminds right. me, you and I keep going back to this season, but the 2007 season. Now, it's not exactly like that. I think we have kind of an established hierarchy, so to speak. Like, there's your mm. your obvious playoff contenders, and then there's just a lot of really good football teams out there. And, you know, yeah. having the U back, having North Carolina looks good, uh, Michigan looks elite, Texas looks elite. Florida State's back. The Pac 12 looks elite. Uh, Notre Dame looks actually legit this time around. There's just a lot of teams out there that you think, oh, maybe, you know, if the cards align, maybe they could make some noise kind of thing. Uh, and it, I right, think it's yeah. just really good for the game when it's like that.
2: Yeah, I think especially now with the playoffs expanding to 12 teams. Um, I believe next year is uh, right. when that starts. Or they, they tried to get it moved to next year. I think I, I think that's the plan. Um, I think it's good timing for it because that's been a big argument is if they expand to 12, I mean, you know, based on the last few years, it would be pointless with right. how dominant the top teams are. You'd have, you know, for, the, for a good five years, it wouldn't matter. You'd have Alabama and Clemson just dominating or, you know, Ohio State, Georgia. You'd have a couple teams every year that, have sort of separated themselves. But yeah, this year we've seen, you know, with Texas and Alabama playing with LSU and Florida state, there's a lot of good teams that if you had a 12 team playoff, I think you could have a, you know, you could have an argument that every team would be competitive, even, uh, right. even a one through 12. Cause I mean, you look at even the top teams, they've got question marks. Georgia's not looked amazing in their first two games, even against easy opponents. They got an untested quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that it would be a really competitive year if we had a 12 team this year. So I think it's good timing for
1: hopefully a little bit more parity in the next few years. Right, right. And anyways, back to back to Texas AM. and um, right, As far as the right, hot right. seat for for Jimbo, I I'm with you. I think AM and M should if if he's not able to pick back up after this loss to Miami they got Louisiana Louisiana Monroe next week but again you and I have talked about this in the past that's a game that Jimbo has lost before uh, yeah he just has a knack for losing those kinds of games so the to me that's not even a gimme and that's crazy to say because it's at Texas A&M Texas A&M has the best recruiting class and I just I'm not confident in Jimbo, and that's probably what the administration is looking at right now. Saying, do we just bite the bullet and pay the seventy five million, and then you know they've got the boosters, I'm sure, at AM, so they'll they'll bite the bullet and be like, sure, get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. um, Money money's no no issue at Texas A and M, that's for sure. Right. So seventy five million, that's an uh, astronomical, but as the season wears on. We may be looking at a hot seat for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, it's already probably got to be somewhat lukewarm at the very least. Um, So they've got Louisiana Monroe. Auburn comes to town after that. Then they go on the road to Arkansas. Then Bama comes to town. Then they're at Tennessee. South Carolina comes to town. uh, Ole Miss, at Ole Miss, that is. Mississippi State comes to town. uh, ACU, is that Abilene Christian? That's just my guess comes to town and then they finish at LSU, which is for some reason become a rivalry. They're they're trying to make it one and it just doesn't make sense to me. But I digress. So they they do have a pretty favorable home schedule. I would say, you know, even some big tests like Bama coming to town, they could win. Mm -hmm. If they could win some of those at home, Jimbo might be able to save his job. But again, you and I have talked before, just no confidence that he would be able to pull that off.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's just always been the issue. Is putting together a, a complete season of winning ten plus games has not been his forte. Right, and given the talent on the team, um, they you know they've invested so much money into the program, and it's paid off with recruiting. And when when you get that level of talent in, it really falls on the coaches to to execute. You can maybe. You know they've had trouble with recruits the past couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. getting in trouble off the field and things like that. But you can only really excuse that or use that an ex- excuse for so long if it becomes a pattern over years and years. I mean that's that has to fall on the head coach eventually. So right. Um, and uh, I mean it's 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 a tough conference. You're playing in the SEC. You've got, like you said, Bama at Tennessee at LSU at Ole right. Miss. I mean. Mm-hmm that's a tough that's a tough road to go down and when you get enough chances sure you uh you may be able to get one big win but if you're ending the season at you know eight and four seven and five that uh, you have to consider that a, a bit of a failure so right um yeah like like I mean, we said it last last couple of weeks um I don't have that much faith in Jimbo I don't I think he's proven that he's not been able to to put together a complete successful season given the standards but um
1: yeah we'll, we'll see how long of a leash she gets this year we shall see now there were some other good games you and i uh, briefly talked about Oregon and Texas Tech and the red raiders down in lubbock gave the ducks about all they could handle 38 to 30 it took a fourth quarter just 20 point explosion by the ducks to seal the win uh, man mm-hmm, Texas mm-hmm. Tech they they showed that you know we're not gonna lie down and have ourselves a bad game just because we started awkwardly at uh Wyoming right. we're gonna come out guns blazing and that was that was a good ball game
2: yeah I don't know what it was I mean we talked about the Oregon going to Texas Tech um Utah going to Baylor and yeah how those yeah. would just be complete routes and both of them were just you know, Tight games, uh, really, really entertaining ones. And, um, yeah, Oregon was able to pull it out at the end. Uh, they beat them 20-3 to three in the fourth quarter, and they were able to do it. And, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I don't think I think any less of Oregon or Utah. I think it's always tough to go on the road to a, right. a Power 5 school and, and win games. It's always impressive, and, you know, it's important to be tested because they're going to be tested a lot going up against the the top teams in the pack 12 this year. So it's good to get these, these tight games out of the way, right? So that you're, you're used to it. So, uh, I mean, luckily for them, they come out with the win. but I think in the long run, it's going to be, you know, a, maybe a wake up call, but, uh, a, a good test either way. And, um, you know, proves that they've got resiliency and
1: they're not, they're not going to lie down and they've, they can, uh, get it done in these tight situations. Right. Uh, I, if anything, it's more of a galvanizing effect, in my opinion, just given that, man, we were on the road in a very tough environment. We were down 27-18. To that's, that's tough, especially heading into the fourth mm. quarter. And right. uh, Bo Nix, I, I, I got to give him praise on this one. Just that veteran leadership. There was that calmness about him, and mm-hmm. they they were able to pull that one out. So very big win for Oregon early on in the season, like you said. And I think that could pay dividends for them as they look forward. And then for Utah, they didn't have their quarterback. Their starting quarterback rising once again out because, you know, still recovering from that ACL injury. Um, He should be good to go in week three is my guess. But to be without him on the road in uh, triple-digit temperatures at Baylor, who also was hungry for a win, Baylor did not want to go 0-2. They lost to Texas State in embarrassing fashion. Uh, and then they didn't have their starting quarterback either. Um, mm-hmm. And the the Bears gave Utah all they could handle. I think this is just a case of Utah's defense kind of saying, we got this, and then helping carry them out of Baylor with the W. Utah's offense did just enough.
2: Yeah, I mean, down 13 uh, thirteen to 3 late in the third quarter. Um, and then being down 13-6 with two minutes to go, I mean, that's a – and that's a crazy comeback. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, same with what we said with Oregon. I mean, it proves a lot of resiliency, especially without, you know, without cam rising. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an impressive win they're, and at the end of the day, going on the road, power five school backup quarterback. Uh, they're just going to be happy to be leaving with a win and be two and O and being able to look ahead to conference play. So yeah, good, good win for Utah,
1: given the circumstances. And I, you know, like Oregon they prove their resiliency right yep. the Jalen Glover an 11 yard run with 17 seconds left that was the difference there Utah wins 20 to 13 Oregon wins theirs 38 to 30 now the big one that we talked about last week uh, I guess it was these two programs called Alabama and Texas uh, have you ever Up heard of, of them comers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up and coming programs, you know, not much history. No, it, this was the granddaddy of them all in my book. And what the heck, Texas? Are they back, Garrett? They they looked mighty impressive. I, th- I think we can say that now.
2: I know it's a bit of a meme, but right. Uh, I mean, every, everyone said going into the game on paper, Texas is as talented probably as Alabama, which is hard to, hard to say. Alabama has been, you know, one of the best recruiting teams for over a decade now. Right. And they still are an incredibly talented team. Uh, but people were saying Texas might be just as talented. Um, and, and the difference really was the talent at quarterback and, uh, you know, the, the weapons offensively, at, especially wide receiver. Right. And it proved to be the difference. Um, you know, we talked about Alabama's quarterback struggles coming into the season, not really knowing who to start and talked about Quinn Ewers and the potential he had, but he just really hadn't showed it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, that, that was really a difference maker at the end of the day. Um, I, you saw the struggles with Milrow throwing two picks. They, they didn't have the explosiveness. Uh, the
1: explosiveness. You yeah, there, Garrett.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My, uh, I couldn't tell. I thought my mic cut out. No, no yeah. saying they, they didn't have the explosive, uh, the explosiveness offensively that, uh, that Texas was able to produce. And Quint, I mean, Quinn yours played an incredible game and really showed why he was so highly recruited coming out of high school. So, um, yeah, good, good on Texas. I think that they've got the talent on paper and they've, they've proved that they can win at Tuscaloosa, um, I think they've shown that they're they're one of the best
1: teams in the country. And let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, that I picked Texas. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were both spot on with that Texas prediction. Really proud of us. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get my editor to put last week's audio in right here. Right here, Bree. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So, the, my... I was very impressed by this Texas team. You know, I've, uh, we talked before, I, you know, I could see this going one of two ways. You know, Bama, if Texas can't uh, stop Bama's rushing attack, then they were going to have problems. And, um, you know, Bama that they had the athletes and whatnot, but, uh, they could not really get a rushing attack, a consistent one, at least going, uh, Mm -hmm. they got 107 yards and they outrushed Texas by two yards, but Texas's defense was probably one of the biggest impressors for me in that in years past, Texas has just kind of frankly been soft on that side of the ball. Um, you, you just push them around and get what you want and it, you know they're giving up next thing you know they're giving up 40 some points but not this time around this time around Bama uh, they couldn't get their run game going and as a result they had to lean more right. on Milrow and he's he can throw the ball he did have that beautiful deep ball for a touchdown right. you know later in the game yep. uh, so he he's certainly capable of it but he was 14 and 27 and he had two picks in addition to his two touchdowns. So he he that's the weakness with this Bama team. They're they want to run the ball, then they want to run it down your throat, control the clock and then say, "Okay, now go try and outscore our tough defense." And right. That to me, like I said, Ewers was going to have to be on point if Texas wanted to win. And he was. You know, 24 of 38 349 yards and three TDs. No mistakes either on his end as far as interceptions go. And then the the athletes on the outside, like Jatavian Sanders. I'm keeping an eye on him for fantasy football in our sleeper league. Adani Mitchell, who, by the way, beat Bama when he was at Georgia. So he's beaten Bama twice. Xavier uh, with two different programs now. Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington. These guys are just ballers, and I think they're going to give anybody problems uh, no matter who they play this season. And looking ahead at the schedule, uh, Urban Meyer actually just w- was quoted as saying, you know, this Texas team is the most talented team in the country. Now the question is, are they going to be able to keep that up? Because they've got Wyoming at home, and I think they'll be able to handle that, even though Wyoming had an impressive win against uh, Texas Tech. But then they got Baylor, they got Kansas, and actually, you know, this Kansas team's a little bit tougher than years past, but still... Uh, just and then Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry that's going to be the big one there. It, it always is for Texas, but you know, this Texas team could, in my book, run the table in theory. Uh, that they, they and then walk into the playoff, you know, looking undefeated. Kansas State, I think, will be another big test because Kansas State is a team that actually has traveled well and plays well on the road in years past. So, uh, this this Texas team is one to look out for for the college football playoff, without a doubt. And we're just going to have to wait and see how they're how they perform moving forward.
2: Yeah, I I think on paper um, they're probably as like like you said uh, as talented as anyone in the country. Um, and, and like you were saying, the big uh, the big test for them was going to be, you know, Alabama in the trenches has traditionally. Always that's been their strong suit. And they still are probably, you know, as far as talent goes, maybe the best offensive line in the country. Right. And and they weren't able to get an advantage over Texas. Texas played up to their up to their standards. And when when you saw that, you're thinking, okay, uh, you know, maybe maybe Texas is legit. And maybe they the talent that they have on paper, they've actually found a way to translate it into being a Alabama or Georgia level of team. Um, And I think that they, I think they proved that. And so now you can kind of take what they've put on paper and say, this team is as good as any other team in the country. And in all honesty, when you compare them to some of the other top teams like Georgia or Michigan, um, you know, those teams both have question marks. Georgia's got question marks offensively. Uh, they've got an unproven quarterback. and I think if viewers right. can uh keep playing this well, I don't see why you wouldn't like Texas against almost anybody right. So I like I think that the AP got it right this week. Uh, they put Texas into the top four, and I would agree with that. I think that um they deserve to be ranked along with Georgia and Michigan uh, and Florida State. so right and and you know, looking at the schedule, like you said, you know the big 12 is not that tough this year. you saw TCU's fallen off a lot since last year. Um mm-hmm. they're still going to be a decent team, but I don't see anybody on the schedule that I would really be too uh I'm obviously anything can happen. Um sure. but I, I favor Texas pretty heavily in almost every game this year. So if they if they can really do it and avoid the hiccups, um you know uh, against uh, a random road game uh, or against Oklahoma in a rivalry, if they can avoid those hiccups, I think uh, I definitely, you know, I think that they'll definitely make the playoffs in that
1: case, in that scenario. Right. And um, I, th- I think that's pretty deserving. Right. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh, the next step in Texas's maturation. As far as saying they're back, they, you know, they passed the big test at Bama to make that statement of yeah look at us now we can go out and win these kind of games now it's okay can you not slip up <laughs> and right. and in years past that's been Texas's achilles heel you know they would they would start to put some big games together even last year you know when they had that close call against bama I mean, texas went 8 and 5 the rest of the way and it was just right. i'm looking at that team i'm like what how are, how are you guys this talented and yet you're losing games to teams like you know a, Iowa State or or something like that or you you blow it to Oklahoma State on the road how are we doing this right. with uh, this much talent so to me that's my question now because I agree they should be favored in pretty much every game going forward but i'm also kind of Eyeing in, eyeing them suspiciously, I would say, is, right. it, is yeah, this that's, for that's real? Fair.
2: Right, right, and yeah, that's an underrated aspect. You know, everyone talks about strength of schedule, and they talk about that every year with uh, you know Clemson or anyone who's not in the the SEC or the Big Ten. They say you know it's a weak schedule. Does it really mean anything that they went undefeated? But uh, I mean, I think that says a lot about a team being able to go through twelve games against power five schools, no matter who they are. Right. and avoid uh avoid having a off night and losing i think tells a lot about a team so right um yeah like you said proved it against uh one of the best teams in the country showed that they showed that they are for real um but it's now it's you know can they prove it week in and week
1: out beating the teams that they need that they should beat. right now yeah so, next step for Texas, Wyoming coming to town after their 34-24 to 24 win over Alabama. Again, they just have to avoid the trap games here. And uh, after that, they go to Baylor, and the rest of the season, obviously, will be coming full steam ahead. Now, we kind of talked about last week there, and, you know, there were some other games like, uh, man, how about USC putting 49 up on Stanford in the first half. Impressive. Very impressive win for them. Yep. Offensively, they just... I look at... So, speaking of the parity here, I just look at USC's offense, and as mediocre as their defense can be sometimes, and I don't think Stanford was very good, so even though they held Stanford to 10, it's kind of like, well, show me that against a, a good offense, but still... I'm sitting here like, who's going to stop this USC offense? Uh, I'm looking at their schedule here. Let me pull this up. Uh, USC. Yeah, I mean, they put. say, so yeah. I mean, they put
2: 49 and one half against a power five school. That's impressive, regardless. You know, I mean, that's
1: right. That's that's, that's ridiculous. It is, and just looking, Colorado, you know, is probably going to be their first test. And boy, that's a game I'm going to be tuning into. It's at Colorado, but. Oh, yeah. Colorado's defense to me hasn't been super impressive, Um, so I I think that's going to be a shootout if USC, you know, doesn't figure their defense side bet. But who's going to stop this USC team? That's my question. I I don't
2: know. Um, I mean, (laughs) I I think the biggest test is going obviously going to be Utah on the schedule, right? Um, Right. It's probably going to be the toughest defense they face all year, but. And that's good that they're going to be tested by Utah because I think a, th- a theme of a lot of the top teams this year, you look at the top four right now of Georgia, Michigan, uh, Texas, and uh Florida State. I mean, all just elite defenses that they're going to have to face if they want to, if they actually want to, you know, compete in the playoffs. So, right. um Yeah, we'll we'll see how they do. You got Notre Dame and Utah back to back. So those will be two good tests for their defense ahead of time to to see if they can hold up at least enough to let their offense, you know, put up points. Right.
1: And and this is where it comes down to the Pac-12 just potentially cannibalizing itself. I mean, that schedule is brutal at Notre Dame. Utah, who's always going to be tough no matter what. USC will have a chip on their shoulder, I'm sure, when the Utes come into town. They got the Huskies two weeks after that. They got Cal, who just held Auburn to 14 points, 14-10 to 10 loss. Um, they Then they go to Oregon, and then they got UCLA. Unbelievable as far as that. That is just a brutal stretch of schedule for the last six weeks of their season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can't take a week off. Every week, you've got a, a really tough opponent. So,
1: yeah, they'll have to be on their game down the stretch if they uh, if they want to remain undefeated. All right, so that kind of sums up uh, what we saw last week. And looking ahead this week, you know, you and I were talking about this before we started, Gary. There's there's not really any marquee matchups per se. There's some that you should. We think that you should maybe take note of. And number one that kind of jumps out to me is uh, North Carolina versus Minnesota. Now, North Carolina did not look super convincing in their win against App State last week, 40-34. to Did you have a chance to watch that one, by the way, Garrett? I didn't get to
2: watch it. I watched the highlights. Um, I mean, I don't put, you know, App State always seems to play North Carolina close. Last season, they did the same thing. They had a 63-61 game that they came out of. You'd think that's a basketball score, but that was a football game. I was going to say, Garrett, and, uh, this is football
1: season. Focus <laughs> up. <No. laughs> that
2: was a football game, and and they almost lost that one. It was uh, that was a really exciting game last year as well. So, right. Uh, I think I think a part of that you have to chalk up to it being just uh, the in state rivalry aspect of it. App State's going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, trying to prove themselves against UNC. Right. Um, they just don't like each other, and so. Uh, I, I think that you know they they came out with a win. Um, Drake May looked still looked pretty solid. He um, didn't play a bad game at all, so I, I wouldn't put too much stock into it being close. I think, um,
1: Omari and you know, Hampton had though. an okay day, by the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. Yeah, not not bad. Um, but yeah, I, I still like I still like UNC, and I, I, I still think they're having a really good season. And uh, uh, I, I still would like them over uh,
1: Minnesota this week. Yeah, Minnesota thus far beat Nebraska thirteen to ten, and then beat Eastern Michigan twenty five to six to start two and zero. But uh, like you said, North Carolina they've shown the firepower, and they still showed some great firepower against App State. You know, like I mentioned, Omari and Hampton over two hundred and thirty yards rushing unbelievable and uh, i like him to be able to carry that momentum into this game same with the quarterback play Uh, north carolina should get the win over minnesota now um another game that i take i take note of would be georgia and south carolina now i'm pretty sure you and i would both favor georgia in this one but i'm interested in seeing their quarterback play against some sec competition finally
2: yeah, I think this will be the first chance to really see if uh, see how he plays against a good defense. Um, I mean, South Carolina is always going to be a decent team. They they lost to UNC week one, but um, yeah, it'll be good to get a, at least a test for him, and then also a good chance to see Spencer Rattler, see how he does against the best defense in the country. So right, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a good game to tune into for sure. Um, and I don't, I, I saw a little bit of. Uh, Kirby smart talking in his press conference today about, uh, he, I, you know, Georgia, it seems every year they, they try and make up a narrative that everyone doubts them. And, um, yeah, like every, at the end of every season at the end, of the last two seasons, they, Oh, everyone doubted us. No one thought we could do it. <laughs> Either they start the season, as like the top team. Right. And, uh, Kirby smart was pulling that out again today because, um, the South Carolina, the South Carolina defensive linemen said in an interview, he was asked, uh, was the toughest uh, environments you've played in in your career? And he said, "Oh, uh, I don't know." He's, he mentioned, uh, "Oh, Tennessee is pretty tough, and Texas a And M they're they're pretty hostile too." And then uh, Kirby Smart said in a press conference later, he called the he called the D lineman out by name and said, "Oh, he he thinks we're not very loud, huh? He doesn't. He, he's disrespecting our <laughs> fan base. Well, I hope our fan base really uh comes out and shows them this Saturday what we're about." And, uh, (laughs) just using, uh, anything you can and making up, uh, making up the, the narratives about their, uh, people doubting them to create some, create some excitement or create some, uh, I I guess that's what you gotta do to,
1: you know, get people going, but, uh, I'm just thinking of the Jordan meme and I took that personally, (laughs) (laughs) right, right, right. Literally anything. I took that personally, uh, (laughs) exactly. No, it'll be a good game though. I'm I'm excited to watch it for sure. Yeah, and so that will be this Saturday at 12:30, as Georgia hosts South Carolina, and they should be favored in that one. But should be a good game. Then they go to the. Then they take on UAB at home once again um pretty favorable schedule here for the defending champs just you know it, they've got a lot of home games this year they've got auburn at home after uh excuse me they go auburn on the road that'll be a tough challenge then they've got kentucky coming to town then they've got at vanderbilt at their interesting stadium then they've got at florida and that'll just because of the rivalry will be tough then they've got missouri at home they've got mississippi at home then they finish out with at tennessee that's the one to circle november 18th assuming Tennessee can figure themselves out after a questionable win against Austin PA, but then they finish at Georgia Tech, and that'll be tough as well. So there's kind of your brief look ahead at the Georgia Bulldogs. And as far as other games to tune into this weekend, uh, we would point you towards Washington and Michigan State. And there's some interesting storylines with this one, namely that Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker Mm – has been at at from what last I heard, he's just been suspended without pay for the sexual misconduct investigation that's happening right now. And uh, he he was another guy that Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken, signed him to a massive ten year deal as well. Yeah, I think he also had something
2: like uh, a seventy five million dollar buyout, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. Um, and yeah, uh, it's uh, but I think that uh let me see 86.6 million 86 million yeah so but i was reading that if if um i believe if they do have uh, like grounds to terminate his contract they don't they don't have to pay it so
1: right um, so michigan state's kind of hoping that something gets found here no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) i think uh, uh maybe
2: i don't know but uh yeah, I mean, they, I'm sure they don't want to be uh, having to pay that buyout. That's for sure, right? But yeah, but so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, not a lot
1: is completely known about it. That's it's a little bit still under investigation. So right, yeah. To the yeah. to the folks at home, essentially, the the overall gist was that uh, Michigan State had hired a on an honorary captain for the season, and she was a a, a rape survivor. And she um, she goes around different colleges across the country as an advocate for, um, you know, rape survivors and whatnot, and then educates the players on the team as well. Um, So she does outreach and stuff like that. And uh, she accused Mel Tucker of basically making sexual advances on her. Uh, whether it be over the phone, just some inappropriate conversations were had. And uh, as she she accused him of it. He says that it was all consensual. And there was an intimate relationship there and stuff of that nature. We won't go into the details, but that's the overall gist. And now he's been suspended without pay. And uh, just another question. I I don't understand his contract. Ten years, ninety five million. Am I missing something here? Did Mel Tucker Mel Tucker do something to deserve that contract? They had uh
2: they had really one good year uh, a couple years back with uh, Kenneth Walker and people were talking about Michigan State. I mean they, they they did have a good team that year, but um I mean kind of. I, I mean, maybe jump the gun a little bit with that contract, but yeah, I don't, it's obviously not looking too great now, but, right. uh, yeah, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was the best idea. It was, um, yeah, 2021 when they started out, uh, I believe they started out eight and zero, and they had a big win over Michigan. Right. Um, and they did go they, 11 they and lost. two. Yeah. Then they ended up losing a couple games. They got crushed by Ohio state. And ended up went beating Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl. But I mean, last season was back to being mediocre and, you know, really a one hit wonder, honestly. Right. And, you know, they, I'm sure they're regretting the contract now, even if this didn't come out. I'm, you know, I don't think it was a great idea.
1: Right. Right, and last year they're probably looking at a buyout anyway. Beforehand, (laughs) it's like, well, this just adds gasoline to the fire now, and um, just don't be an idiot, guys. That's all I'll say. Um, So last year, Michigan State went on the road to to take on the Huskies, and they got smoked in Seattle. I'm, I'm honest. I'm thinking we're gonna see something similar here. You know, Michigan State. They're always they have that mantra of just physical big 10 football and i think we'll see that to an extent especially on the road but I, my money's on uh, michael Penix jr and this uh, husky offense to go in and carve up the spartans pretty good yeah i'd agree i don't think there's any uh
2: any doubt about that one um yeah i think i th- i would agree i think
1: Penix is gonna have a an, an easy time with this defense well, there you go. So another game to keep an eye on, especially just because of given circumstances. Um, another game, this would be Tennessee at Florida. Now, we've, we've covered Florida before on this show, and they haven't been super impressive thus far. Uh, they've lost to Utah in week one, 24-11. Their offense looked mediocre. Uh, then they uh, went on to play against... Oh, my uh, computer is glitching on me here. McNeese State. McNeese, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, their offense got rolling there, but I mean, come on. Uh, 49-7, to and now they take on the high-flying offense of Tennessee. But, hey, Tennessee kind of comes into this game with a mediocre win of their own against Austin PA. I mean, they, they didn't exactly look great there. What what are your thoughts on this one, Garrett? Yeah, uh,
2: I'd... We don't really know too much about these teams. I mean, we saw Florida getting beat by Utah week one. Um, I mean, Florida didn't have too high expectations coming into the year. Uh, I Mm -hmm. thought they did okay against Utah given the circumstances. But um, I I, I think that this will be a good test for for Tennessee to see how good that they do on the road against a, a decent SEC team. They struggled a little bit against, like you said, Austin, PA. Uh, they they handled Virginia easily, but Virginia is absolutely terrible. Probably right. one of the worst Power 5 schools out there, so not much of a test there. So I think this will be the first real test for them, just because it's a, a road game against an SEC team, so that'll be good to see. But right. um, I mean, I think they're going to be... Uh, they're definitely the favorite in this one, in my opinion. I don't see... I just don't think Florida is that great of a team. I think Tennessee is just definitely, definitely a better team overall. They're favored right. by six and a half, and um,
1: yeah, I'd, I'd like Tennessee in this one. I, I do as well. Their their quarterback play uh, just—I think he's going to be able to carry it overall. That's um, uh, Joe Milton. His arm talent alone is just incredibly impressive. Uh, still great. Uh, Weapons around him with Jalen Wright at, at running back and still talented receivers, even though they don't have Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt anymore. Um, so all in all, Tennessee, I would favor them as well on the road at Florida. Um, Garrett, there are any other games that are that jump out to you as we look at the week ahead, or uh, did we did we cover it all? I don't think so. I mean, I think you
2: know we're going to see conference play starting for a few of these teams and um so you'll have opportunities for teams like florida state to continue uh you know showing that they're legit uh penn state playing illinois you got lsu uh is going to be playing mississippi state they're going to be starting their redemption campaign Mm, they're gonna have to play a pretty flawless season if they want to make it back to the playoffs so uh we'll see what kind of start they get but um, as far as that goes, I think that's a, that's
1: about it for what I'm, I'm looking at this week. There you go. So that is the week coming up, folks. And uh, we had a lot to talk about on this show and had a, had a good interview and hope you guys enjoyed it at home. So Garrett and I would just ask that you would – Hey, if you really like the show, share the show as that helps us gain some traction here, and then leave a five-star review for our show as that'll that'll help the algorithm and help spread our content far and wide. We appreciate that as we just get the ball rolling here. So, for my co-host Garrett Bigpin, I'm and Hardy. Thanks for joining us on Game Time, and we'll see you next week. Stay tuned.